Hey, what's up, everybody? It is another episode of the Snipe and Selly podcast, FTF Media's guide to anything and everything happening on the ice. I'm your host, Mark, and I am joined once again by my awesome line mates, Haley, Lauren, and Mike. How's everyone doing this week? Wonderful. The week has finally come to an end. I've had a very good work week, so I'm excited to, you know, keep moving on, keep doing better at work and having more hockey to talk about. So it's been a good week for me. I'm just happy it's Friday and it is almost next week instead. Yeah, TGIF indeed, as we're recording here on December the 3rd. I hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving. We were off last week, uh, you know, as everyone enjoying the, the holiday and working off their food comas collectively. Uh, so glad to get back uh, with my line mates and start talking some puck again. So stay tuned over the next hour or so to hear our thoughts on what's been going on around the National Hockey League and the hockey world as a whole since the last time we all got together. And so without further delay, let's drop the puck for our opening face-off. And like I said, it has been two weeks since we last convened here. So a lot has gone on. We're right smack in the middle of the holidays. Uh, happy Hanukkah for all those who are observing. Uh, we're obviously getting closer to Christmas time as well, so a very festive time. So I'll start with Lauren. Do you have an opening face-off for us as we get this episode started? I do, and it's that Jake DeBrusque owes no one a thing. He does not need to come out and say anything. He's not the one who made his trade request public. Um he, when you request to speak to him, that's exactly it. It is a request. He has the right to deny it. Would it be better if he came out and just addressed it? Sure. But he will when he wants to. And he's not forcing his teammates to talk. He's not forcing anything on anyone. And everyone in the Bruins organization has handled it perfectly. Um, he needs to figure out you know, what's working best for him to keep his mental state of mind right. And if it's not talking to the media, then so be it. You can still write a story surrounding DeBrusque because you're going to do it anyway. Yeah, very well said, Lauren. I mean, listen, at this point, social media has given so many people, you know, a platform and especially, you know, media who are credentialed, a lot of, you know, Lauren's peers in the industry, instead of just covering the sport and, you know, doing their jobs, they, they want to, get a little spotlight on themselves sometimes. And there was two particular Bruins beat writers this week who decided that uh, not only were they going to call Jake DeBrusque out over his you know, request to be traded from the Boston Bruins, something that I personally think as much as I would hate to see Jake DeBrusque go as a Bruin fan uh, is best for both sides. Uh, you know, he, I think he needs a little fresh, uh, fresh scenery, change of scenery, but you know, it's, it's a business. He's decided that he wants to move on and, you know, trying to call out someone's professionalism or manhood and to get into a, a internet war with his mother is just absolutely ridiculous. So, uh, you know, anyone who's a Bruins fan probably knows who those particular writers are. They're not very well liked uh, among Bruins fans. So Lauren summed it up perfectly. You know, Jake owes no one anything. It was a nice goal he scored last night uh, in Nashville. Again, would hate to see him go. It looks like that's probably going to be the case. But, you know, who, who knows? Maybe Jake continues to get hot. He shows 
Bruins fans and, and the Bruins organization, the type of player that we've already seen he could be. And maybe, you know, cooler head prevail. He sticks around. He helps them, you know, make a playoff run. Stranger things have happened. So very well said, Lauren. Hales, how about yourself? Do you have an opening face-off to get us started here? Um, I guess my opening face-off is that I am so glad that we have sports, you know, kind of back to normal for the most part. Not that that was the most important thing obviously last year but sports have been so fun lately and when crappy things are happening in our life those of us that are huge sports fans it's really fun to just be able to put on the tv and watch something like a hockey game or a football game so just thankful for that it's so I mean we realized last year just like how valuable those distractions can be and when they're taken away from us we take up weird hobbies. We learned to make sourdough. Uh, me personally built Legos, which I hadn't done since I was like 10 years old. Uh, so it's nice to have those distractions back in our lives. Uh, you know, and that none of us will ever take it for granted again. I agree, Hales. Mike, how about yourself? An opening face-off to get us started on tonight's episode? Sure thing. And um, I'm hands-free driving down the freeway right now. So if I sound a little funny, that's why. I definitely um, piggyback on Lauren's comments about Jake DeBrusque. I loved seeing him shoot that absolute bullet last night over um, Cyrus's shoulder, short side, top corner, absolutely perfect. Um, and then my other my other opening faceoff was just going to be, I have no idea why I doubted Alexander Ovechkin. 19 goals, 19 assists, 38 points about a quarter of the way through the season. Like that's just, he's ridiculous. Like what, what is it with that guy? Like, I don't, I don't know. I thought there would be some sort of drop off, but he's just fun to watch play. He really is. It's he is aging like a fine wine or in Obeshkin's case, a fine bottle of vodka. Uh, He is just despite the fact that he does not subscribe to like the TB12 method and stuff like that, by all accounts, he eats what he wants, uh, drinks what he wants. He just goes out there. He scores goals. He is hitting people at uh, as, as much of a pace, if not more so than he usually does. Like he's always among the league leaders in hits as well as goals. He is a cheat code on the power play still to this day. It's not a matter of, if he will break the all-time goals record, it is how soon, and he is absolutely going to be the first member of the 900-goal club. I mean, who knows? If he can have the type of longevity that Yarmir Yager had uh, and will continues to have, he might play in the Olympics. Um, maybe he gets to 1,000. I mean, at this point, who's to, who's to say? So I'm personally rooting for that. I would love to have a 1,000-goal score. It's kind of unlikely but again like mike said 19 goals already i mean he just he, he's he's not human he really isn't so yeah absolutely mike i agree and it's a pr- privilege to watch guys like that it, it it's nerve-wracking when your team is facing uh, someone like alex alex ovechkin especially in a playoff series anytime he touches the puck my heart goes into my throat but in a regular season or in a neutral uh, uh game i just i love watching him play i really do as for myself, my opening face-off here, listen, I, as my line mates can definitely tell you because they've seen some of the different uh, you know, sweaters I've, I've rocked uh, when we've recorded, I am a jersey aficionado appreciator. I really enjoy 
jerseys, not just of, you know, the Boston Bruins, but, you know, I have, I, I bought like Paul Correa, Mighty Ducks jersey. I have a Wayne Gretzky Kings jersey. I, I love good hockey jerseys. And yesterday I saw one of the worst abominations in the history of hockey, the Smashville Stadium Series jersey that the Nashville Predators dropped is the worst thing I have ever seen. Number one, the numbers, like the style of the numbers, it actually kind of looks like a, a bootleg Pittsburgh Steelers uh, type of uh, uniform in the back with the numbers and, the, na- and the, the lettering. And then in the front, they have Smashville in like inconsistent font with a guitar pick with three stars in the center. And it just looks so ugly. And I'm a very positive person when it comes to interpretations of jerseys. And, you know, when people complain like, oh, this jersey stinks. Now, I I tend to like most uh, most jerseys. I cannot pretend to like this. This is awful. And the Lightning, the the Lightning revealed uh, alternates for that uh, stadium series game as well. And while they look pretty good, they're also like a carbon copy with just like different color of alternates that they had a few years ago. So like, it just has a huge lack of creativity. That being said, much better than the, uh, what Nashville rolled out. But if you have not seen the uh, Nashville Predators uh, uh, stadium series jerseys yet, please take a look. They are just an eyesore. So whoever was in charge of that in the Nashville Predators organization, and I know you're listening, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be mean, but you need to, you need a new project, uh, you know, get your creativity out in some different project. This was, this was a swing and a miss from you. I'm sorry. So with that being said, and as Haley points out, probably the, the second ugliest Jersey to, uh, the, the Vegas golden Knights, uh, sparkle gold alternate glitter gold alternate. But with that being said, there's a lot to dive into. So I wanted to get us started here with our coast to coast news segment. And the first thing that I want to talk about, it's a collection of stories, really, and it has to do with NHL player safety. That's something that, listen, NHL player safety, we've gone after on this show a number of times. Everyone has. We're not special. Um, I mean, we're special, but not special in this case. NHL player safety, George Paros and that whole office there, I don't understand what they're doing now more than ever. So within the last week, we have had Brendan Lemieux, son of the very famous goon Claude Lemieux suspended for five games for biting. That's right. Biting Brady Kachuk. Uh, Biting is not something that you usually see. That's an Alex Burroughs type thing uh, from the 2011 cup finals, but we saw an actual bite on the ice uh, last Saturday night and a five game suspension was, was brought down in the grand scheme of things, five games for, for a bite, Okay, it seems like maybe that's probably an appropriate penalty. But then you have Brad Marchand, who, yes, anyone who's not a Bruins fan, I know you're probably, your ears perked up. I get it. He has a history. But in the eyes of the NHL's player safety department, he's not a repeat offender. The NHL player safety office has a criteria that if you are not suspended for something within 18 months, it's almost as if your prior uh, offenses are expunged. You are not considered a, a repeat offender by the system. Now he was called for actually, I don't even think it was penalized a slew foot um, last, last weekend. And I don't even think it was a slew foot to be perfectly honest. Um, but he was 
suspended for three games for a slew foot. And Brad Marchand had not been suspended for 41 months. And in the suspension video, NHL player safety cited his past history, uh, saying that he was a repeat offender. Again, 18 months is supposed to be the threshold. So, and I want to open this up to discussion with my line mates. Why is it that Brad Marchand, who had not been suspended for, for 41 months, is being considered a repeat offender? But just six months ago, Tom Wilson, who is a notorious goon and a headhunter and someone who uh, I just cannot stand to, to see play, was not suspended for slamming a New York Ranger head onto the ice. And the basically the cop out from player safety as well. It's been 18 months. So he's not a repeat offender. So why are you picking and choosing when uh, someone's a repeat offender instead of sticking to your own criteria? Where's the consistency? Lauren, I want to start with you. What were your thoughts on the last, really the, the week that was in NHL player safety? Yeah, it was, I mean, we've cried consistency about the Department of Player Safety for so long. And it was so glaringly obvious this time around. And listen, both Tom Wilson and Brad Marchand have made their reputations for themselves. Whether right or wrong, they don't get any more benefit of the doubt. But it seemed like Tom Wilson got benefit of the doubt during his suspension or lack thereof, where it's the uh, Department of Player Safety looks at Marshan and they're like, okay, yep, it's Marshan. He gets however many games. Um, I'm surprised that it warranted a suspension at all. To me, it looked like it wasn't a, a true slew foot. It was more just like trying to make a play, losing your balance, trying to figure it out. And I mean, whatever, but it was really going on Marshan's side because no one got hurt. No one was penalized and he still gets three games. And Tom Wilson hurts someone seems like every year. And, you know, he cleaned up his act and it was nice to see for a while, but then he's at it again. And I think too, I mean, all fans want is consistency. And Brad Marchand was saying that too in his press conference. He's like, I just don't understand. I know I have a reputation, but I've cleaned up my game and he's also become an elite player in the process. So I think when you have Marchand like really trying to defend himself, and Patrice Bergeron defending it, like, or you know, trying to say the suspension is stupid, then it, that's saying a lot. And I just think at the end of the day, they need to be consistent and not just with slew foot, but like how they suspend repeat offenders and technically non-repeat offenders who do have a past. I don't know what the answer is, but it's clearly not whatever is happening right now. Yeah, and what do you think about the fact that someone is suspended? five games for biting uh, and there's a three game suspension for like, as you referenced, something that did not even warrant a penalty. That's not much of a difference. It's not. And it just, again, it makes you wonder like, what is going on? Is there some sort of like underground deal that we don't know what's going on? Is there, you know, friendships, is there something there, but there, there needs to be consistency. And it's, it's basically like, what, what is goaltender interference? Because nobody knows what that is. Nobody's going to know what that is until there's some sort of consistency. Just like no one's going to know what's coming from Department of Player Safety until there's some consistency in their suspensions, in their rulings. Because if you're suspending somebody five games for biting someone, but then suspending somebody three games for unintentionally slew footing and not injuring somebody, you need to sit down and like rewrite 
everything. Start from scratch, get a brand new notebook and just start from scratch. Absolutely. Uh, very well said. Because I mean, listen, at the end of the day, at least, you know, think back to like the previous regime, like when Mike Shanahan was, uh, I'm sorry, Brendan Shanahan, <laughs> wrong sport. Uh, Brendan Shanahan was in charge of uh, NHL player safety. There was consistency there. You know, people didn't always agree with his rulings, but those videos were very much like by the book every time. And there was consistent rulings with George Powers. It just seems to be like throwing darts at a dartboard while blindfolded after several drinks. Like it can't get any more inaccurate or wild than that. Mike, what did you think of, first of all, the Brendan Lemieux bite? I mean, that's just the fact that we're, we, we are still seeing biting uh, after the Alex Burroughs incident uh, uh, back, oh God, it was a decade ago. Uh, and, uh, and, and you know, then you have uh, Brad Marchand being suspended. And again, what makes a repeat offender? I mean, it, it just, if you have rules and guidelines, especially someone like yourself who practices law, when there's a precedent set and you can't count on that precedent to be followed, how frustrating is that? Oh, so very frustrating. Um, I'll, I'll start with the Brennan Lemieux thing, as you said, and I'll never forgive Claude Lemieux for the entirety of his career. So I've always had it out a little bit for Brennan Lemieux. I mean, it's just, it's just childish and like absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I know in, in football and in other sports, you know, they always say things happen on the bottom of the pile that you wouldn't, you wouldn't be very proud of to, you know, say that you did it. But like, come on, we're, we're biting people on the ice in 2021. I did see someone put dubbed over the video that um, if anyone remembers the Charlie bit me <laughs> video from a bunch of years ago is um, to Chuck going, going back with his hand up and it was just doing the Charlie bit me. Charlie uh, so bit my finger. <laughs> but so, and you, you all have nailed the word. I won't overplay it here. You know, it's all about consistency when it comes to the slew foot and the repeat offenders and for my, for my money, you know, I don't, I don't get mad at you using the repeat offenders idea in the NHL because here we are in a, in a game, in a sport, and you can seriously, seriously hurt somebody and their career and their life. We've seen some horrible things happen on the ice. So if someone is a danger, then that needs to be taken into account. So the, the discrepancy in treatment between um, Tom Wilson and Brad Marchand is really frustrating. I'm not going to defend, you know, Marchand's history. You know, if they made the decision based on that, okay, fine. But then you look at stuff like P.K. Subban, who, you know, what, three different times in the past year with uh, Reeves, Sammy Blay, and then my boy Trevor Zegris, way more egregious. And he's he's getting fine dollars. He's not getting these long suspensions every time so it's it's just really it's all about consistency and it needs to be because there needs to be a rule set down that people understand that they can't endanger these people's careers like that yeah it's a great point in the case of sammy blake suban's actions costs him the entire season he tore his acl on that play uh, so his season is lost and on a play when someone was seriously injured uh, to the point where you know surgery is involved just a fine. Meanwhile, again, Brad Marchand, regardless of his history, that's a play that, again, didn't even look like a true slew foot, looked like they got their feet caught up and no penalty was called. No, uh, no one was injured. And 
that's that's suspendable. I just I, it it does not make any sense. Haley, do you think that uh, you know, especially you know, in law enforcement, you think that some sort of uh, a stat established precedent for what considers uh, what's considered a repeat offender should even exist? Or, you know, is, is it something that like your entire history should just be in place and that should always be referenced in the case of someone like Tom Wilson not getting suspended? Like, no, you don't you don't get off scot-free because you've been good for 18 months. You Like you're you're still getting suspended. Yeah, I think I mean, obviously. Tom Wilson, that's a whole another freaking character because he's not just a repeat offender. He's like, you know, shoving somebody's head down onto the ice, like almost seriously going to end people's careers. And they're just like, oh, it's just Tom Wilson. No big deal. And I'm absolutely not. Like you should take his past into account. If it's somebody who's, you know, been in the league for a really long time and they got a bunch of suspensions their first year, but now like they haven't had any since, you know, and they maybe it's not as much of a suspension, but there has to be something that is clear about that. Like you can't just, like you said, throw darts at a dartboard and like, ah, two games for this person or, you know, just a fine for this person and risk your players. Like the biggest thing about player safety should be that these players can have full healthy careers. Like injuries can happen, obviously, that we wish we could take away. You don't want to see anybody lose time on the ice, except for maybe Tom Wilson just being suspended. Um, but like that's your main concern. And then when you have players who seriously injure somebody, like the ACL, why are you not doing anything about it? And we've talked about player safety so many times because they're such a disappointment. And it's not just in this sport alone, suspensions in other sports too. It's a joke that some people get, you know, a few games here and there and other people don't get any and the seriousness of like the crime, I guess you can say, the uh, offense, whatever you want to call it. Like, it's kind of a joke. I honestly don't take any of these leagues seriously when it comes to suspensions, but I just feel like there's such a risk in hockey and if player safety isn't putting themselves out there for these players, then that person needs to be removed and changed to somebody who does care. Yeah, absolutely. And, and people, when George Paros was originally put in place as the head of player safety, a lot of people were kind of raised an eyebrow saying like, this guy was an enforcer. Like this, this like this is someone who you, you want in charge of player safety. And then there was the whole spin zone given of, well, you know, he, he was an enforcer, got into a lot of fights, but he was a clean player. Uh, and, uh, I don't really think I bought that line when it was given and I'm, I'm not buying his track record now when it comes to suspending players. I really don't. I think that's a good point, Haley. Uh, listen, Brendan Lemieux bit Brady Kachuk at the bottom of a, of a scrum. That got me thinking what, and I'll, I want to hear from all my line mates here. Really uh, Haley, I'll start with you though. What would someone have to do to you to get you to bite them? I mean, I don't even know because I feel like that's such dirty fighting. Like, just punch him. It's hockey. What are you doing? You're fighting. You're not biting people. That's disgusting to put your mouth on somebody and bite them. You don't know what they have. They don't know what you have. Like, that. that's just disgusting. Especially, I'm pretty sure from the videos, it looked like there was potentially blood. So you're not just, like, injuring this other person. You're also putting yourself at risk. So, I mean, you're just kind of showing how dumb you are. 
I, yeah. I really don't think I don't think I would ever bite another person. I don't know. It's gross. Yeah, I mean, I, I just wanted to check. I mean, but you, you brought up a good point because I, I think there was a story. I think it ended up not being the case, but for a while they were saying, well, Brady Kachuk might need to get like a tetanus shot. He did not need to get a tetanus shot, but it, you know, it, it came up. Uh, for me personally, listen, I'll put this out there. Uh, I, granted, I was eight years old, uh, but my infant brother at the time, he was a biter. He bit uh, his twin brother, my, you know, my other brother. Uh, he bit me, he bit my mother. Uh, and again, I was eight years old, but one day I just had enough. I bit him back uh, and it stopped after that. Uh, so I will say that I have bitten uh, another person before, but uh, it was really, it was to teach a lesson and uh, it never happened again. Not endorsing that uh, that methodology, but uh, I was eight, didn't have a fully developed brain, uh, but it worked. So listen, I stand by it. Uh, he doesn't. He hasn't bitten anyone since. At least I don't think so. I'll have to text him see if that's the if that's the case. Lauren, what would someone have to do to you for you to bite them? I'm with Haley, but also like I hate my face being touched, and like I hate hands being around my face. I don't know what it is. I just don't like it. So I am not responsible for you. If you put your hands in front of my face and I tell you like, get your hands away from me, I'm not responsible for what happens. I'm just saying. And I have, I mean, I bit my mom when I was a kid, <laughs> just for fun. Like I just went up to her one day, just like bit her leg, but um, never did that again after everything. But I just, there's like something about people's hands being in front of my face. Uh, if like, I just through, go into a fit of rage, like I'll, uh, if I push your hand away, you're lucky, but I'm not, if I bite you, then whatever, don't put your hands in my face. Someone starts like sticking a finger, like pointing something in, in Lauren's direction to that. They're going to lose that finger. <laughs> Mike, how about yourself? Uh, what, uh, what would need to be done for you to actually bite someone? Right. So, I mean, I don't think that I would resort to biting, but I mean, if, if, I, if I were in the bottom of a scrum and, you know, someone is like gouging out my eye, my arms are trapped down by my side, you know, something like that, I, I could, I guess, maybe see it. And, you know, for any, any of our listeners who, you know, ever played football and, you know, some of the things that people do at the bottom of a pile looking for a, um, you know, trying to recover a fumble to try to make the person who's got to drop it. Someone did that to me. And the only thing I could, I could get at was, was a, a finger to bite. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you do it. Um, but no, I don't think I would resort to biting. So if someone was giving you the captain Insano, uh, that's, that's pretty much the, the only instance in which you could see yourself doing it. it yeah, that's, <laughs> that would do it. Yeah. So what I'm gathering is, is all my line mates, maybe except for me, uh, are very upstanding people would never resort to uh, to what Brendan Lemieux did in any uh, any situation, not even in, in the heat of competition. Uh, but regardless, this got this got us thinking, and this, we're not going to do this this episode. This is going to be we're going to tease this for uh, another episode. But it is the holiday season, and quite frankly, we think that Brendan Lemieux's actions would land him on the naughty list. You know, Santa's always watching. Um, you know, so. Uh, he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. You know, you guys know the drill. So uh, he's got his list. He's checking it twice. And right now, Brendan Lemieux is definitely in line for some coal in his stocking. So uh, in one of our future episodes here before uh, Christmas arrives, I think we're going to do a naughty or nice segment uh, for, uh, for hockey and see who lands on that naughty list besides Brendan Lemieux. 
And, uh, you know, who's in the ni- nice list? Spoiler alert, Patrice Bergeron's the very top of that list. He's a saint, Saint Patrice, uh, you know, and what the Nashville Predators were trying to do to him last night should land them all on the naughty list, to be quite honest. But again, future episode. But, uh, you know, so stay tuned for that. We'll do a little naughty or nice uh, in either this uh, uh, next week's episode or the week after, right, uh, leading up to, to the Christmas holiday. Uh, but yeah, we just needed to address that because NHL player safety is a joke and so is biting people. So uh, Brendan Lemieux, if you're listening during your suspension, what the hell, man? We're like, you, you, you got some issues. Apple did not fall far from the tree in this case. So the next item that we wanted to talk about is, and listen, anytime the Montreal Canadiens make a coaching change, uh, or you know, which seems constant, or uh, you know, they make some any sort of change, it, it's always big news in the hockey world because they're the Montreal Canadiens. But in this case, the Montreal Canadiens over the past week wiped out their entire front office. They cleaned house. Uh, so everyone, uh, Mark Bergevin, their, their general manager, uh, he was, uh, he was let go along with the rest of the, the front office, everyone, uh, gone and Jeff Gorton, who is a longtime general manager with the New York Rangers, uh, did a lot of great things there in building those teams was also the person who really helped shape the Boston Bruins core, even though Peter Chiarelli was the GM at the start of that, uh, that core if, if you know, you know, Jeff Gorton was kind of pulling a lot of the strings there uh, while, while they were courting Peter Chiarelli, uh, and he was instrumental in signing Zeno Chara and Mark Savard and, uh, and also making some draft choices. So Jeff Gorton, very, very skilled general manager. He has been hired to run the entirety of hockey operations in Montreal. Uh, he will be in charge of hiring a, a general manager. Uh, he had a press conference today as we're recording here on uh, December 3rd. Where and we've talked about this when it comes to coaches in the past, how you need to be bilingual for uh, you know for uh, coaching in Montreal because uh, the, uh, not only the press there but uh, a lot of the fans uh, are primarily French speakers. So Jeff Gorton is not a fluent French speaker, but he did read a prepared statement in French today and you know said like, "Hey, I'm still learning." It's something that he's you know, committed to learning some French so that he can conduct these press conferences. Um, but he mentioned that uh, you know Dominique du, um, uh, Duchard, uh, the head um, head coach, is going. Uh, he, he will be remaining for the rest of the season, so they uh, they will not um, be you know making any coaching change in season. Which again, I think is the right move at this point in the season. They're not going to make making the playoffs. They're just not. So ride it out with Ducharme and and see you know what happens and, uh, and you know evaluate your roster, but. This, this actually kind of worries me as a Boston Bruins fan because, again, Jeff Gorton knows what he's doing. He is a very, very good hockey mind. And even though it could take some time, I think he might rebuild the Montreal Canadiens. And I don't want that to happen as someone who hates the Montreal Canadiens. So I wanted to go around to each of my line mates and see what they all thought of this. Uh, number one, the sweeping changes, you know, the entire front office eliminated at once. Um, probably minus, uh, you know, some scouts, but even the head of scouting, I believe went as well. And do you think Jeff Gorton is going to you know, rebuild the Canadians into a contender and how long do you think it's going to take? So uh, Mike, we'll start with you. Any, uh, any, you know, thoughts on the Jeff Gorton era beginning in Montreal and did you see any of his presser? So I didn't see any of the presser. I was in court most of the day, but I just want to start off with, F. Mark Bergevin. 
um, that guy, I'm, I'm good. You know, get out of here. I'm done with you. He was obviously around in the Blackhawks scandal. He was the general manager when they just drafted that uh, Logan Mayu kid, uh, which was obviously a very interesting decision, not in a good way. And, you know, I mean, this, this is a team that was in the Stanley Cup final last year and is potentially the worst team in the NHL right now. I know there's a few teams that have less points, but they've played like half a dozen more games than some teams that are behind them. Um, you know, they're absolute garbage right now. And, you know, there's no reason to stick with a guy who, or even not just one, you know, obviously because a lot of people are gone, but who's not getting the job done and also is bringing you a bunch of bad press. So I'm, ex I'm, I'm happy for them. You know, obviously I don't root for the Montreal Canadiens franchise, but there is, there is something to be said about you don't, at least maybe just me, I don't want my rivals to be like a laughing stock. It, uh, it's like the rivalry is more I fun. <laughs> the rivalry to me is more fun when the games are competitive, when, you know, you're actually, there's something at stake. I know, you know, there's some seasons where, the Red Sox are in last place and then the Yankees come to town. It's like, you almost don't even care or even vice versa. And the Yankees are in third and, and you're like, Oh yeah, we're, you're a joke. We don't even care about you. I, I know that happened with the chargers for a while when I was younger in the early Brady days and the Steelers really too. Right. Like you had these teams that were, you love to, you love to play against, you love to beat. And then they turned into laughing stocks and it was like, who are you? I don't even like, I don't even think about you anymore. And they're like, Oh, it's this rivalry. It's like, no, no, it's not. It's like, we don't care. So, I mean, I don't want them to get better than the Bruins, but if they became a team that could float around 500 and actually we could beat them in the playoffs, that'd be fun. You know? Absolutely. Now I'm the opposite of you, Mike. I'm, I'll be honest. Uh, I do not mind whatsoever when my rivals are a laughing stock. Uh, it, it, like, I will agree that it's, it's really thrilling and a lot of fun when both teams are really good at the same time, uh, you know, makes the wins really special, but I also don't mind seeing, you know, the last place Yankees roll into town and seeing, uh, you know, them tee, uh, Red Sox tee off on them at Fenway. I mean, I, I don't hate that whatsoever. So, but uh, no, it, like, like you said, it, it, it will be, uh, you know, we don't root for the Montreal Canadiens as a uh, majority here on this pa this panel, Bruins fans. But uh, you know, it, I just think it's inevitable that they that Jeff Gordon will rebuild this franchise because uh, he is just a very very sharp hockey mind. And it starts with hiring a GM, which he said in his press conference. You know, I'm not going to rush into this hire. It's very important, so it probably will take him until after the holidays. But he'll he said he was going to go outside the box on the hire. So I don't know what that means. Uh, it, it seems to mean, cause I, he got a question from, uh, the, the Montreal press about Patrick Waugh and he kind of deflected that, um, you know, thinking that, uh, that, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm going to bring in Patrick Waugh, uh, obviously a very well known Canadian player, but we'll have to see what he does. Lauren, did you catch any of the, the, of the presser, um, where, uh, again, you know, Gorton did read, I thought he did pretty well, uh, with his prepared, uh, uh French statement and, uh, you know, how how long do you think he rebuilds this team? Because it could take some time, but I just I think it's inevitable with him. I really do. Yeah, I think it's definitely inevitable. Um, I caught some things just on Twitter. Um, and listen, he was preaching patience, and that's what you're gonna need to rebuild this team. And I think he's the person to do it. I think that he's like you said, with the hiring of the GM, he's in no rush. 
he's just going to kind of take it in stride. And I think that's what he's going to do with this rebuild and just kind of figure out how to make the Canadians good again. And listen, it's, it's great when the Canadians are bad as a Bruins fan, but it is fun at the same time when they're good, because it's, I feel like it's more competitive then because when one team is bad, it's like, yeah, whatever we suck. We know we don't even want to fight you. We don't want to try to put on our best effort, but there's going to be a lot of patience required for this. Um, and I think he's the perfect person for the job. I think, what is he under contract for five years? So he's got at least five years to go for this rebuild. And I'm interested to see how, how the Canadians evolve, not just like in the five years, but even in two or three years to see what kind of changes he's going to make. Yeah. And, and you referenced his contract, Lauren. In theory, I would agree that, that they're, they're giving him five, you know, a long time to, to rebuild this, but I, we also know it's just kind of the reality in Montreal. They're very impatient. So like he, he's preaching patience. Like you said, I wonder how, you know, how long the fans will really give him despite again, J- Jeff Gordon's history uh, of building up winners. And uh, if it, before anyone, you know, sends us a comment on Twitter, you know, no Stanley cups. Well, all right. Well, you know, he built some really, really good New York Rangers teams and he did contribute to a Boston Bruins Stanley cup. So uh, again, just very strong track record. I just, I, I wonder how much slack he's given because again, they'll just, they'll recycle through coaches. They'll recycle through, uh, you know, they'll, they'll bring players back after they got rid of them like that, but they're not afraid to pull the trigger. Uh, so Haley, I'll, I'll go to you. You know, how long do you think that, uh, you know, especially an organization like Montreal, that they listen to the fans quite a bit and the fans can get restless how long do you think that they are going to give Jeff Gordon Montreal to get things turned around? Do you think that they will be, uh, you know, somewhat impatient with them? Yeah. I mean, we've always seen in fan bases where there's two sides, right? There's the people who are, you know, always praising no matter what's happening or the opposite of that. And then people that are like in the middle and fans can get really, um, I don't know, horrible to their yes to their teams when they suck. And so, you know, the fans may like only want one season to turn around. They may only want two seasons. Hopefully them giving him five years means that they're willing to give him more time than that because things like rebuilding a team are not built overnight. Um, but then again, you know, we're, we're Boston fans. So going to bring up the Patriots a little bit. You saw that team was not that great last year and how well that they are doing this year. Obviously, still making some rookie mistakes because they're growing and they're learning. So, you know, one season can make a huge difference. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what can happen in like the first two years. And hopefully the fans will at least give him that. I think that you bring up a really good comparison there, honestly, uh, because Patriots fans, and I've made no secret, especially on social, my disdain for Patriots fans, and that's speaking as a Patriot fan, the fact that Patriots fans were given their first losing season, their first real look at bad football in two decades last year, in a fake season, the pandemic season's fake anyway, like, let's be honest, and they were calling for Bill Belichick to to lose his job, Uh, you know, we need a fresh start, I'm like, talk about a fan base that is so spoiled rotten and you know cannot uh, subject for another for you know another pod entirely but just i think it's a great comparison because i think montreal fans are similar and and that's without the recent success i mean montreal has not won a cup 
in almost 30 years. So the fact that they have, you know, I think 26 Stanley Cups, again, so many of those happened when there were like six teams. Uh, and there was a, a statute in place that uh, the best French Canadian talent had to play for them. They couldn't go to play for Toronto, Boston, uh, New York, Detroit, et cetera. Uh, had to go play, uh, or the Blackhawks have to go and play for the Montreal Canadiens. So, you know, that number is kind of inflated. But regardless, uh, the fans are very impatient there. And who knows if they'll actually give Jeff Gorton, uh, you know, time to kind of execute his vision. You know, I know, you know, uh, you know, Jeff Molson, I've never actually looked this up. Is Jeff Molson like part of like the beer Molson family? If if anyone knows, uh, let me know. I, I, I thought maybe that was the case, but uh, regardless that Jeff Molson seems like he's committed to uh, providing as much time to Gorton as, uh, as he needs to uh, execute his vision, but we'll have to see, but regardless sweeping changes in Montreal, it's always huge news uh, because, you know, they are one of the, you know, NHL's legendary franchises, but I just, I think it's inevitable that if he's actually given the time, he's going to turn that team into a, a winner. And that scares me as a Bruins fan. So Hopefully they get impatient with him. I always kind of thought Jeff Gorton would come home and, and, uh, and, you know, be the Bruins GM. But as of right now, uh, Donnie still holds that position, Don Sweeney. Um, and he has my full support until that day is no longer there. <laughs> that didn't make any sense. Um, but I wanted to move on to our last news item. And this is something I'm excited to talk about. And Hales, I actually want to start with you. Um, we have news that we just saw yesterday that uh, the PHF is going to be hosting their all-star game in Toronto, uh, you know, home of the Toronto six. And I thought this was really cool. Um, So this is going to be obviously the first time the Toronto six have hosted the all-star game, given the fact that this is their second year of existence. And it's, this is not the first all-star festivities for what was the NWHL, now PHF, but this is going to be the first time that it's going to be broadcast in front of a significant audience. Uh, so given the fact that the, it's being hosted in Toronto, uh, TSN is going to, uh, to be broadcasting uh, the all-star festivities. And then, of course, here in the U.S., it's going to be on ESPN+, Plus. given that the, uh, sorry, the PHF is now, I still slip up every now and then, it's called NWHL. Um, it, uh, you know, it, it's now um, you know, got a, a deal broadcasting deal with ESPN plus. So this is going to be a huge showcase for women's hockey. And, uh, the game is going to be held on January 29th, um, at, uh, at York, uh, Canlan sports. That is the home of the Toronto six. I think this is huge. Uh, it's huge for the sport. Obviously you have Olympic hockey, which is always a great, uh, you know, showcase for, uh, for, for women, but, getting more eyes on, on this league that, you know, again, first year of a, a, a brand new broadcasting deal. I think it's going to be great. So Hales, what did you think of this announcement? How excited are you to see the very best uh, of the sports uh, of the league in action on the 29th? Uh, you know, will you be clearing your schedule that evening? Yeah. I mean, I'm for sure going to watch it. I'm very excited. I feel like there are so many incredible players for the PHF. Like, having they're gonna have a hard time making their rosters because there's so many great players and just for them to keep getting the recognition that they deserve is incredible it's so like obviously if you listen to the show you know that I recently got into it and even in the small amount of time that I've been watching it it has grown so much that you know 
I'm really excited for the future and this game is going to be amazing. And I'm glad that this deal with ESPN plus, you know, came before this game just because now even more people can enjoy it. And I still don't have ESPN plus, so I need to get that. That way I can watch the game for sure. Yeah, we can, we can make arrangements Hales, for, for sure. But I mean, just think uh, in what you referenced the time that you have adopted the Boston pride as your team and, uh, and, you know, started watching again, what was the NWHL now the PHF uh, less than a year ago, that that was uh, that started. And during that time at when you first adopted this league, it was exclusively on Twitch. Uh, there was, you know, th- th- there was a, a handful of teams and uh, you know, it was very difficult to, uh, to you know, watch the sport. Uh, since then, we have an expansion franchise potentially happening in Montreal. We had a um, Isabel Cup weekend on NBC Sports that uh, drew fantastic viewership. And now we have a, a, a streaming deal with ESPN Plus. Um, and it's just going to make things even more attractive. The, the league is growing. It's great to see. And listen, even though there's so many fantastic athletes on these teams, a lot of the top women players are not involved in the league yet. And, you know, this type of showcase might be the impetus to, to get them under contract, especially if the salary cap is going to go up in subsequent years. So it's fantastic. Lauren, what were your thoughts on, on this announcement and, you know, how exciting is it for you as a fan of women's hockey? It's super exciting and it's super awesome that it's going to be in Toronto because Toronto is a really good hockey city. It's not, they're not playing it somewhere where it's like they hope fans will come. Like it's going to attract a lot of people and just to have the experience to play in Toronto at at an all-star game and at something kind of very, obviously very important to these, these women players. So I think they made the right choice there. I, like I said, Toronto's a really big hockey city. There's tons of Maple Leafs fans up there and it's just a really good way to grow, continue to grow the sport. Yeah. And given that the Maple Leafs aren't involved, it'll probably actually go off without a hitch up there. Uh, It'll be a a fantastic weekend because Toronto is not involved. Again, don't care what the Maple Leafs record is at the moment. If there's any Leafs fans going to say, Hey, most points in the NHL, don't care. You're cursed. Things will not turn out in your favor, but the six, they don't have that type of curse. So uh, they'll, they'll put on a heck of an event. I'm sure it's going to go swimmingly. Uh, and I can't wait to see it myself. Uh, Mike, as I mean, you're as uh, a, a blossoming uh, fan of, uh, of women's hockey as well. Uh, so you've been watching a ton of PHF this season. Uh, you know, who are you excited to see in action in this? Obviously there's Jillian Dempsey, but uh, you know, who else would you think that uh, you, you might want to see in this all-star event? Well, for sure. And I've been loving it. And I actually have trying to, maybe I'll say my PHF thought now and not in our empty netters later, but um, well, I've been saying for a while, Allie Thunstrom is one of my favorite players. She's very, very fun to watch. I think in a, they're doing like kind of a hybrid, right? It's going to be five on five and then they're going to do a three on three, like a round Robin sort of thing. And then some shootouts and stuff like that. So I think that with more open ice, Players like Thunstrom, who just have that speed and quickness, will be really fun to watch. Um, but and I'm just so excited just to see the game grow. Like Warren was saying, Toronto is a, a – I mean, it is hockey, right? Toronto is such – it's synonymous with hockey. And I think that it's going to be a great event, get some talent up there. And then the big news that I just saw was um, 
Haley Flanagan is going to be going to the Boston Pride, which is specifically exciting for me. So she's a um, Olympic medal, Olympic gold medalist from 2018, and she went to Burlington High School, which is the high school that I went to. So she was someone that we were all following very closely when she was playing for Team USA and winning that gold medal. And, you know, now that if she's going to sign up and, and play with the Pride, it's just more excitement bringing to the league and much more excitement to the pride, even for me, who's been, you know, on that, um, on that bandwagon since, since I, since I learned about the league. Yeah, no. And that's exactly the, the point we're, uh, we're highlighting here is that, you know, what this league is doing right now is attracting more top talent. And that's the latest example uh, just right there. That's very, uh, thank you for bringing that up, Mike. It's, this is going to keep happening. And there's going to be more top talent attracted to the PHF. And as again, the potential expansion franchise in Montreal, you know, before we know it, there's going to be 10 teams in this league. It's going to keep growing. And because people want to watch, uh, you know, th this is fantastic hockey. Uh, there's no dip in quality as anyone who's actually sat down and watched a game would tell you anyone who says that there's, you know, a, a dip in, in quality of play probably hasn't actually sat down and watched a game. You know, the type of things that you see on Twitter all the time, uh, you know, whenever someone, someone doesn't want to like something, they just say, oh, yeah, it sucks. Give the PHF a shot. Again, it's very easy to watch. Uh, even if you do not have ESPN Plus, you can watch on Twitch. Uh, so it is very easy for you if you have a computer, tablet, smartphone. You have anything that is uh, that, that, you know, allows you to stream content. You can watch the PHF. So, uh, you know, definitely check it out. And, uh, and see what these women are up to. And uh, again, cannot wait for this all-star event. Should be really awesome. So that's going to do it for our news segment uh, in this episode. But I wanted to, before we took a, a stroll around the league and, and you know, talk about the teams that have caught our eye, I wanted to address a, listen, a, a story that uh, continues to have legs, okay? Like it's just, it's, uh, it will never stop being a story until... Either the team is sold uh, or the team uh, moves, et cetera. But that is the Arizona Coyotes. There continue to be rumors that, uh, that the team is going to, you know, relocate, um, you know, does not have a deal to stay uh, in Phoenix. Um, you know, they might not even, uh, you know, not, maybe not even Tempe. Like, who knows if they're even going to be long for Arizona. And there was an anonymous banking industry source uh, yesterday that said that, hey, the team's going to be listed for sale soon. The team shot that down. But of course, you know, if something's not official, you're always going to dismiss it. But uh, there was essentially a, 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 again, anonymous banking source, which it's hard to put too much stock in something like that when it's anonymous, but saying that the team was up for sale with the intent of moving the team to Houston. Uh, obviously, Houston, a huge sports market for, you know, football, basketball, baseball, does not have a hockey team. So it's not part of the big four. Uh, this could be it. Who knows? Uh, I, you know, made a comment on Twitter about, uh, hey, maybe they don't move to Houston. Maybe uh, they move to Quebec and we bring back the Nordiques. That did not go over well with a, a certain random person who had a cactus in his username uh, who wants Austin Matthews to come home to his native Arizona and play for the Coyotes. Sorry, buddy, fat chance of that happening. Uh, so <laughs> it did not get uh, a good response out of the one Coyotes fan that I know now is in existence. 
but I, I thought this would be a good topic of conversation for uh, my linemates here. Do you think that the Coyotes eventually do get sold and, you know, say $2 billion have you happen to come into some money tomorrow, a couple billion dollars, you know, ho-hum, and you wanted to, to buy uh, the Arizona Coyotes, where would you move them? You know, uh, you don't have to think of a name on the spot. Maybe you leave them as the Coyotes. Maybe you, you think of something else. But where would you move the Coyotes uh, if, if you uh, had the ability to, to, to buy them? So, Lauren, I want to start with you. You know, what, what do you think of all this? Oh, I think eventually they're going to get sold. I'm pretty sure their, their lease is up with the, with the um, mm-hmm. arena there. So I think it's only a matter of time before they get sold. Um, and if I were to come into a couple billion dollars to buy the team, I would relocate them to Nova Scotia because the hockey community is so big there. I'm also incredibly sick of all of my family up there being Maple Leafs fans. And it would just give me another reason to go there um, more so than I do now. But I know that Canada has the Canucks, the Canadians, the Maple Leafs. I know that they have the Winnipeg Jets, but to put a, a team where it's produced players like Brad Marsh and Sidney Crosby put a put a professional hockey team where a lot of NHLers come out of it it makes too much sense all right take a hint Derek that's uh that, that's what you need to to provide Lauren uh in your new lives together um try and uh, try and get the 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 Nova Scotia Coyotes I don't know you'd have to change the name at that point uh maybe you can ponder what you'd change the name to on another day but uh I I once ran into uh, some people from Nova Scotia who may or may not be related to Lauren. I remember I told this Lauren, Lauren this story once, but they said that they grew up with the Marshan family. Uh, we started talking about hockey and uh, I was like, yeah, it'd be great to very nice people. So yeah, it'd be cool to have a, a team up there in, in Nova Scotia. I think it's a good idea, Lauren, but like you said, it, it's just inevitable. They, they're going to be sold. It's just, it's not a hockey market. And as much as uh, you know, They'll make the playoffs every now and then it just, it seems like there's not besides that one guy with the cactus uh, emoji in his name, who got angry with me yesterday does not seem like a rabid fan base. And, you know, you need to be in a, in a place that uh, you're going to sell out every game and uh, there's a rabid fan base. And, you know, I know that people used to say it about, about Florida and sunshine is now uh, sunrise. Florida is now uh, filled up uh, every game. They got a fantastic product in the ice. So that goes into it too, but there's just a lot that, uh, as, and as Lauren mentioned, the lease is up uh, over there in, in Phoenix. So I just, I don't know if that is going to be a long-term solution over there. Uh, Haley, where would you move the, the Arizona Coyotes? And again, Houston is an option that it was named in that source, uh, in that, uh, that article, uh, obviously that's somewhat close to you. I know Texas is a massive state. But, uh, you know, where would you, would you bring them to Houston uh, or where would you bring the Coyotes? Um, so, you know, Houston wouldn't be a bad location because they're very passionate fans about their, their sports, whether their teams are in the right or the wrong, um, whether they're cheating or not cheating. <laughs> but, um, sorry, I had to. The <laughs> Houston sports are just not that great, though. So is that a location you want to go to? I don't know. But you will, I feel like you would have, the stands fill up at least initially um i've been to a texans game actually i've been to two um one being against the patriots so it was pretty full obviously the other one versus the jaguars not that full so 
I think it just depends. You know, they're going to flock to the stadiums at first. And then if the team is like horrible, then it might die down a bit. And they are horrible right now. So I feel like it's not a shock if they get sold, like Lauren said, with the with the contract being up too. I mean, the amount of games they've lost this season so far is not a whole lot of hope for them. Um, so for Lauren's sake, I hope they go to Nova Scotia. Yeah, it's a, it's a great idea. Uh, I, I think Lauren's really on to something. Mike, again, it, it just like everyone has touched on so far, it seems inevitable that the Coyotes will move. Uh, so, you know, if they do move, where, where would you bring them? Uh, do you bring them to Hartford and bring back the Whalers? I mean, uh, you know, what are you thinking? You, you, you try and, and get them in San Diego? Uh, what's going on? Oh, I'm bringing them to San Diego. You have no <laughs> doubt about it. Southern California hockey is awesome. And look, right now we got the Kings, we got the Ducks. Uh, I went to a San Diego Gulls game, an AHL game with my son last week. Amazing experience. It's so much fun having hockey out here. We could have, we could call them the Rays and they could be for Stingrays or Sunrays, whatever you want. It's, it's, um, it would be awesome. I'd love to have a professional team out here, especially San Diego's lost the Clippers. They've lost the Chargers. We need, we need a win. We're getting the, um, Haley taught me that we're getting a major leagues, a women's major league soccer team, but let's get some hockey out here too. Yeah, very well said. And uh, the Ducks are so fun to watch right now. Southern California hockey is back, like you said, Mike. So uh, yeah, it, it would be uh, pretty cool to, I mean, it's kind of densely populated out there on the West coast in terms of hockey teams. But uh, you know, I, I think that it's a big enough uh, area. You guys could make it work for sure. As for myself. Yeah. I just and, listen. And, I, and the fans, the fans wouldn't have far to go, you know, the, yeah. <laughs> the Arizona fans, they could still be, they'd still be the closest team. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point as well. Uh, if they, you, know, you have the like the guy with the cactus emoji, he'd probably be able to make it out there for, uh, for a couple of games. Uh, I think you definitely have to change the name if they go out to Southern California. Coyotes just does not fit. Um, so that's uh, you know that's something we'd have to uh, a full rebrand would have to take place for sure. But as for myself, I just again I. I just think it's inevitable. I really do. I don't think that even if they're able to, you know, come together with another lease uh, for, uh, you know, for the Coyotes to, you know, stay there in Arizona temporarily. I think eventually, again, if you're not selling out, ownership groups tend to, you know, want to see what they can, you know, they see what the valuation of the team is. They, they put it up for sale. I think eventually they will be sold. And, you know, when you're sold, there's lease or no lease, you know, we see, you know, we saw with, um, you know, the uh, Stan Kroenke, the owner of the Rams, just went through a massive lawsuit that he settled uh, to about the relocation of the Rams from St. Louis to L.A. You know, he paid, what, $790 million? Uh, he didn't care. He was like, hey, being in L.A. is, is great for my franchise. I will, I will pay that fee. I think that, uh, you know, if, if they are sold, they will eventually move. And I mentioned you know, moving them to Quebec and bringing back the Nordiques, I think it'd be really cool as a uh, fan of old time hockey, but selfishly, I would love to have another pro team in somewhat of my backyard. Uh, so I would indeed, I would invoke the, the Hartford clause. Don't know if I'd bring back the whalers, but I would move them to Hartford. Uh, I know that, uh, that, you know, that they'd be able to, to build a nice arena out there. Um, you know, they could probably temporarily play where the Wolfpack played, but 
eventually they could put together a nice modern NHL rink out there. And I would love to be able to go to, you know, go to a Bruins road game. That's really not a road game. Connecticut's about like an hour trip for me, hour and a half, maybe. Uh, so I would just, I would love to see that happen. And uh, yeah, if, if they brought back the whalers, then the hurricanes could stop appropriating Hartford whaler culture. Uh, they're, they're, they're cultural appropriators and I don't appreciate it. Uh, you know, get your own deal, Carolina. Um, so I, I just, I think that, um, I, I think that, that that's what I would do, but eventually they are going to, they are going to be sold. And I, I wouldn't mind if they, if they moved because I'm, I'm just, I'm not attached to the Arizona coyotes in general. Uh, I just, I'm just not, they're a footnote to me. So we'll have to see what happens. It, it's again, the story that just will not go away. So now I did want to move around to each of my line mates. And again, it's been about two weeks since we last talked. I want to see who's catching everyone's eye. I, I want to start with Lauren because I, I, I just know that she's ready to brag about her abs. The avalanche have finally gotten hot. Uh, they look like they've righted the ship. So Lauren, go off on your abs. And also, uh, again, ab about all the teams that have caught your eye in both a, a positive and negative fashion over these last two weeks. It only was a matter of time before my abs got back on this trek. I think that, um, like I said, just a matter of time before they found their groove, got everyone healthy and started playing hockey like the abs we know they are and the abs that they have been. But more so than them, the Minnesota Wild are like sneaky good right now. They're atop the Central Division. They've won five in a row. They're like eight and two or seven, two and one, seven and three. I think that equals 10 in their last 10 games. And it's just, there's somebody who I projected, I think in the COVID playoffs that they could make a run or like you should keep your eye on them because they're not that bad of a team. And here they are just kind of sticking around and proving that they can, that, well, that they're a pretty solid team. Um, so they've really caught my eye. I, for once, I don't think I really have anything like negative to say. The Bruins are just the Bruins and the Minnesota Wilds have won five in a row and, and roots with Stanley cup title. No, I'm just kidding. Don't, don't quote me on that. Yeah, but I mean, listen, they are leading the central division right now, Minnesota, and uh, they're playing some of their best hockey. So, uh, you know, obviously it's still a lot of season left, but usually that's the, the general rule of thumb in the NHL is that after thanks, you know, right around Thanksgiving is if you're in a playoff spot, you're probably going to stay there. And if you're not in the playoff spot, you kind of have an uphill climb. So uh, they're in really good position right now. I agree, Lauren. Um Mike, my friend, anyone who's catching your eye at the moment. All right. I've, I've put it off long enough. And I know they're going to fail in the playoffs because they are cursed and they are awful. But you, I, we can't sleep on the Toronto Maple Leafs anymore. They're, I think they've won nine of their last 10 games, something like that. And yep. I, I have to ask, who the hell is Jack Campbell and how the hell does he have a 943 save percentage and a 1.72 goals against average? It's Lauren's cousin. He's won, <laughs> he's won 10 straight games. Like, oh my gosh, what is, I mean, that's one of the reasons, right, why, why they're going to crash and burn in the playoffs because it's not sustainable hockey. They got like four or five guys who are hovering around a, a point per game. Their goalie is playing absolutely lights out right now. It, I mean, it's just, I've, I haven't said a good word about them all 
you know, all season, but I, I got to do it. And then on the other end, if we want to go with teams that have had only one, one win in the last 10 games, um, your Islanders, man, they're, they're horrible. <laughs> they're so bad right now. Um, yeah, that's sad. That's a sad situation out there. Um, and I do, I do want to agree with Lauren on the wild. I'm really enjoying that team too. Yeah. They, they look really good. The, the wild. Yeah. Listen, my Islanders, I'm, I'm not going to run from them. I, I will own it uh, between COVID shutdowns and, uh, and, and their play. Yeah. They look God awful at the moment. They uh, they've only played 18 games. Uh, so somehow there's a team out there that's played fewer games than the Bruins uh, this due to different things than just scheduling, but uh, yeah, 13 points, five, 10 and three, they stink. They just stink. The only team that stinks worse is the future Hartford Whalers, uh, the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, but they're just, they're, they're so bad. Uh, they're very, very bad. But yeah, uh, I, I think, listen, Toronto, they have won nine of 10. Uh, they are, they are red hot. We've seen this before. I'm sorry. I, I, until I see them actually win a playoff series, I can't take them seriously. You can win all the games you want. Uh, when April rolls around, I think that you're going to build a three, one lead and lose all three. Again, I just, you are cursed. You have the worst stank on you. I don't believe in you. I'm sorry. Uh, but yes, it is very important to point out that at the moment they look fantastic. And Jack Campbell right now looks like a, he looks like a, a Vezina contender at the moment, but Again, they're all going to turn into pumpkins in April. They just are. And Austin Matthews won't be able to score a goal. Uh, maybe he'll have that ugly mustache too, uh, like he tends to. But uh, yeah, I just, I just don't believe in them. I don't. Uh, so Hales, I want to see who's catching your eye at the moment, both in a positive and negative fashion. Um, so I was definitely going to talk about the Wild because they're doing really incredible right now. Um, but I just have to bring up for the not so great, the flyers, like, I love you. And you were doing so great there for a little bit, but you know, just sitting at the bottom of their division and having more losses than wins. Can we, uh, we figure that out rather quickly. That would be nice. I would actually like to make the playoffs this year, not looking like it's going to happen based on, you know, where they're at being that it is after Thanksgiving, but you never know. They could get, a good win streak and, and pop up in the division further up, but not happy about that. I really hope that they can turn it around another team that is just terrible along with the coyotes is the senators. I mean, there's, there's quite a bit of teams actually that are just really bad at the bottom of their divisions when, especially when you look at the win loss ratio that's going on, but I don't know. I need to see some more wins out of the Flyers for sure. And also need the Bruins to move up because if Flyers aren't going to make the playoffs, I need to root for the Bruins. Yeah, absolutely. A lot to unpack there first and foremost. Yeah. The, the Flyers got off to a fantastic start. Cam Atkinson was scoring left and right, but uh, they have lost now seven in a row. Uh, so they're sitting there at eight, nine and four. It's an uphill climb in that metropolitan division for sure, Hales. I, I absolutely agree. And just like I will not abandon my Islanders, I cannot run from the Ottawa Senators. I proclaimed that they'd be a playoff team last season. They didn't come close. They have not. I, I believe I even said, I think they'll make improvements this year. I think they'll look closer. They stink. Although I will say that they 
were involved in, quite frankly, my favorite uh, game of this season so far. They outshot the uh, the Hurricanes like 50 to 21 or something. Um, and it was a 2-2 game for the longest time. They eventually ended up winning, but they were out shooting the Hurricanes like by a, a five to two clip, basically 50, like 50 to 21. And they barely won. And there was one point I said, I shared it in the Snipe and Selly group chat where they had like four players in front of the net, uh, which I was not a goalie. My brother was a goalie. And I sent this picture to him and he said, as a goalie, I hate this. You're all screening me. Stop trying to block this shot. and Let me take it head on. Uh, but there was like four players in front of the net. The puck did not go in. So they, they survived, but it was, it was a hilarious, hilarious picture. Uh, you know, Google it if, uh, if you can, or check out the Snipe and Selly Twitter feed. We tweeted it out. But listen, I have to talk about the Calgary Flames because they look fantastic right now. They are leading the Pacific Division. They are 7-1-2 and two in their last 10. They came to Boston recently, and they really impressed me with their play. Dan Vladar looks pretty good in net. Um, you know, he... Uh, he was someone who the Bruins traded away, um, you know, due to what at the time was a goaltending crunch. You know, time will tell, but as of right now, it seems like maybe they could have used him, but uh, he's playing very well right now. That's a team that can score a lot of goals. Uh, so they're, them and Edmonton are neck and neck, really, in that Pacific division. And, and the Ducks, like we mentioned earlier, the Ducks are a lot of fun to watch right now. So those top teams in the Pacific division, they look really good. And, you know, Vegas kind of, they, they need Jack Eichel to get back quickly. I saw that he was skating the other day in North Carolina. That's really, that's awesome. That's cool to see. Uh, they got to get him back. Uh, you know, I don't know if they can rely on, uh, on what they have out there right now to make the playoffs in this division. It's tough. Uh, so Vegas, not a sure thing to make the postseason. But I wanted to, to highlight as well the Carolina Hurricanes that I just referenced earlier. Now, this is a bit of a pat on the back, which any of my line mates know I don't enjoy doing. I hate to pat myself on the back. I never do it online uh, or on podcasts. The Carolina Hurricanes have kind of come back down to earth. And I said this in an earlier episode when they were like 9-0 and they were lighting the world of fire. I said, I don't think their style of play is sustainable. They're very over-aggressive. Uh, they, the defensemen pinch in way too often. They got a lot of lucky bounces. And over their last 10 games, they're 5-5. Five and five, And they've lost three in a row. And they're struggling to score now. And listen, eventually water finds its level. Still think they're a very good team, but they have plummeted back down to earth uh, to the point where, you know, they're going to be maybe third in that metropolitan division. And don't look now, but Pittsburgh, which got off to a slow start, they're kind of creeping up on them. So, you know, Carolina, after setting the world on fire, they've kind of come back down to earth. And, uh, and then finally, I, I got to highlight the, the Buffalo Sabres. It just... It looks like they're the Buffalo Sabres again. Uh, sorry, Lauren. I know that Anders is, uh, you know, you, you like seeing him successful out there. It just looks like they're back to being the Buffalo Sabres. They have plummeted out of playoff contention. We just knew it, it, it was never going to last. Uh, and over their last uh, 10 games, they're, they're two and eight. They're back to being the Buffalo Sabres. So better luck next year, Buffalo. Also, you're going to lose on Monday night uh, when the Patriots come to town. Just, uh, putting out there you'll have some misery on on in both sports but that is going to do it for this week's episode so excited to get back uh and you know talk puck with my line mates again so before we wrap things up i wanted to go around to each of my line mates and see if they had a 
empty netter for us. So Lauren, we'll start with you first. Anything to conclude this week's episode? Anders Bjork deserves better, but that's all right. Um, I just want to reiterate that Jake DeBrusque owes not one soul, one explanation. He's, you know, he's doing the best he can right now, given all the information that's out there. And you can't, knowing very well that he deleted his social media because of everything that he saw and read, and then go out there and call him soft and call him immature and this and that, it's, he's not obligated to speak to anybody. So just want to reiterate that, that at the end of the day, he's 25 years old. He's trying to navigate the NHL and he's young, he's growing and he wants a fresh start. And sometimes we want fresh starts at 25, 55. You can start fresh whenever you want. And he doesn't need to tell you why he, you, you should not be calling somebody soft or thinking you deserve an explanation from him. So just wanted to reiterate that. Yeah, agreed, Lauren. And as my mom has always said, and Jake DeBrusque's mom has said, and any mom out there will say, don't F with my kids. Um, and, uh, and so Jake DeBrusque's mom is taking uh, no prisoners right now. And I enjoyed seeing her, uh, you know, go head to head with some, again, two Boston uh, Bruins writers who not many people like, if anyone, uh, maybe even their own moms don't like them. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll have to confirm or deny that. Uh, but, and I'm not saying this as someone who has gotten likes from uh, Cindy DeBrusque on a few of my pro Jake posts, but uh, I am very much uh, a supporter of Jake. I know that he can be successful both in a Bruins sweater and elsewhere if that ends up being the case. So we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, I, I agree, Lauren, he does not owe anyone anything. Hales, how about yourself? Any empty netters as we wrap up this week's episode? I just want to point out that um, based on what you were saying in our last discussion, that you have reversed jinx the Ottawa senators to be just terrible. Um, I guess your, reserve, your reverse jinx, you know, was working for Dallas in, in a win favor, but you kind of reverse that around, turn it around. And, you know, maybe you should stop trying to say that they're going to do better or they're going to get mad at you. Yeah, I mean, listen, look, look what's happened to the uh, to the Islanders, too. I was pumping their tires and uh, and now they absolutely stink and uh, their fans are booing in their brand new arena. So I got to watch what I say uh, <laughs> because I'm quite powerful. Uh, but, yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> um, Mike, how about yourself? Any empty netters as we wrap up this week's episode? So after a bit of a layoff. We have Boston versus Toronto hockey this weekend. Boston Pride, Toronto Six, back-to-back Saturday, Sunday. Check it out. Um, Go Boston Pride. Yeah, listen, the Boston-Toronto rivalry knows no bounds, whether it's Red Sox, Blue Jays, Bruins, and uh, Maple Leafs, and Pride Six. So, uh, and, well, yeah, Celtics and and Raptors, I guess, too, uh, you know, the Raptors have never actually done anything uh, that warrants being on my radar in terms of beating the Celtics, but they did win a title a few years ago. So I guess I'll give Toronto basketball its due, but mainly it's on the ice and again, on, on the baseball diamond, but yeah, I agree. Should be a, a fun back-to-back. I agree, Mike. For my empty netter, I wanted to highlight again, I mentioned in passing that um, Jack Eichel is skating again, um, you know, so quickly after surgery, obviously still the timetable is 
several months out, but it's good to see him back on the ice and recovering. But Tyler Johnson, who was a member of the um, of the uh, Lightning for uh, you know several seasons, was a key member of uh, you know those Cup winning teams. He's now in the Chicago Blackhawks, and he just had the same neck surgery that Jack Eichel was prohibited from having for the longest time because it was viewed as as risky. Well, it went well for Jack and Tyler Johnson has had it himself. So maybe this has set some sort of a precedent. Uh, again, I'm, I'm not hoping that uh, players need to have this, this type of surgery because neck injuries are very serious, but in the event that it is necessary, I'm glad that Jack Eichel has kind of set a precedent for players that, uh, that you can have this surgery and recover quickly. Um, you know, it's, it's not as risky as, you know, again, team medical staffs, which can sometimes be self-serving have led us to believe. Uh, so speedy recovery to Tyler Johnson, speedy continued recovery to Jack Eichel. Hope to see them both back on the ice soon, but that's going to do it for our episode. So uh, as always wanted to go around to each of my line mates and let our listeners know where they can all be found online. So Lauren, who is, listen, she's hosting a a podcast for a league that can't even show its players pictures, headshots uh, on everyone's got uh, anonymous uh, blacked out headshots for baseball, but uh, Lauren, where can everyone find your baseball coverage and everything else that you do? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at la 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 Lauren, three laws, Lauren with four R's. Find all of my written content on nesson.com. Lots of Bruin stuff, particularly now with the lockout and no end in sight with that. But you can also hear me hosting the Lockdown Red Sox podcast. There's still stuff to talk about somehow, some way. So Monday through Friday, you can catch me hosting that. Um, and if there's not an episode on a random Wednesday, mind your business. It's because we're in a lockout. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's a lockout right now. And uh, the players had the, you know, the cool uh, joke with their changing their profile picture to anonymous face and then Trevor Bauer ruined it. Uh, so that's not funny anymore. Um, but, you know, listen to Lauren talk about the great return of Jackie Bradley Jr., who I'm happy to see back in a Red Sox uniform. Um, so, um, you know, eventually the MLB lockout will end. Just remember that we are all pro player and not pro owner. Um, and, uh, and, you know, it's, uh, it's great to see Lauren uh, putting out content like that, even though it's going to be a long time until we're back. But once baseball is back, we'll all forget all about it. So uh, check out all Lauren's uh, great work as usual. Mike, how about yourself? Where can you be found online? Those anonymous pictures made me laugh so much. Someone put out a meme that it was like the 2021 and it was Jeff Dowd from the old uh, video game in the Barry Bonds era when he wasn't in the players association. So they couldn't use his likeness. Um, gave me a pretty good laugh. But anyway, you can find me on on Twitter, on Instagram at Mike Roderick SD. Um, I have a new show, Track and Shield. We're going to be recording again this weekend. We just re-released one of our episodes um, that our line mate here, Haley, helped us on um, about the future of abortion law in the country. So if you're interested in that or anything else that has to do with politics and other things like that, check us out. Give us a follow at Track. Yeah, I, I thought that uh, I saw that that post as well. Um, 
I thought that was hilarious. And it reminded me that MVP baseball 2005 is the greatest baseball video game of all time. And it was just hilarious. That's like, yeah, I'm playing with the giants. Barry Bonds is an automatic home run, but he's not in this game. So I just hit a home run with John Dowd, this like unassuming white man. Meanwhile, Kevin Millar for the Red Sox was a, was an African-American fellow with a blonde beard. It was so funny. The players who they could not use the likeness of. Um, and if anyone is an OG, they know that, uh, that Hanley Ramirez, who was a Red Sox prospect at the time, was in the game as Matt Dirksen. Um, and uh, I always used to call him up. I used to edit his name to Hanley Ramirez because I'm like, he's going to be great for us. He ended up being great for the Marlins and then briefly again for the Red Sox. Uh, but that is your... If anyone wants to chat MVP 2005 with me, please do. I love talking about it. I used to beat everyone as the Kansas City Royals because there was like a glitch in that game where Zach Greinke threw a 56 mile an hour curveball. Uh, so I'm we're gonna wrap up this episode. I, I, I I'm going off on a tangent, but uh, if anyone ever wants to, to chat MVP 05 with me, please do because I miss that game so much. It was just the best. Hale, so about yourself, uh, where can all of our listeners find you online? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at CSI Haley on TikTok at CSI Haley 91. You can check out two shows that I co-host, which is Fierce and Flawed and Gridiron Girls at Girls Gridiron on Twitter and Gridiron Girls Pod on Instagram at Fierce and Flawed on Twitter and Fierce and Blood Pod on Instagram. Make sure that you're following at For the Fans Media on Instagram, on Twitter even on TikTok, which I can't remember the password right now. And I will eventually figure that out and be able to start posting again on it. Um, just give me a little bit. I do have a brand new phone as well. So it's going to take some time. And then of course, for the fans, make sure that you're going there, you're subscribing so that you can get notifications when blogs and video blogs are dropped and you can check out all of our awesome podcasts on the wonderful pages that Mark has put together. You can go to each individual page for each show and be able to listen to episodes, subscribe to the shows when you go to whatever listening platform you go to and keep up to date with all of our amazing content. And then also check out our meet the team page that Mark also created. Cause I love it. Yeah. I, we have a lot of great stuff on, uh, on for the fans media.com and just in general. So check out all of our great shows and, and other content. I, I agree. Hales. Thank you so much. As for myself, I can be found on Twitter at Mark Pacelli13. That is P-I-S-E-L-L-I. And as referenced, possibly getting into fights with Arizona Coyotes fans or fan. I still don't think there's more than just that one guy. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm often talking about just random stuff on Twitter. So I love to interact with people on there. Please uh, you know, tweet us at Snipe and Selly Pod on Twitter as well. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, I can also be found on NerdPod, talking all things entertainment. We are two weeks away, under two weeks away from the debut of Spider-Man No Way Home, which is just, I, I am just so, so excited for this movie. And we talked about some of our theories on our latest episode, so definitely go check that out if you haven't already. That's going to do it for us for this episode. Thank you all so much once again for listening. We appreciate you all. And until the next time, enjoy the action on the ice, everybody. We'll be